You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, moving over from the ScoreZag Score podcast and taking over here at Locked On. First, I want to thank you all for making this podcast your first listen of the day. Whether you are a new listener to the show, new to my content, or coming over from my previous show, just a reminder to please follow and subscribe to this podcast wherever you already get podcasts and to look out for an upcoming YouTube channel, which is going to start in the next few weeks for folks who want to see and hear what I have to say about the Gonzaga Bulldogs. All right, today's episode is the sixth in our extensive player preview series, taking a brief but thorough look at every player on Gonzaga's roster and detailing their basketball history, a look at the best and worst case scenarios for them in the 2021-2022 season, and finally, a closer look at their expected role and expected production this year. These episodes will air multiple times per week right up until Gonzaga's exhibition opener against Eastern Oregon on Halloween. If you missed any of the previous five installments, check back in your feed and make sure you catch them all. Today's episode will focus on the frontrunner for National Player of the Year and mustache extraordinaire, big man Drew Timmy. So let's get right into it. It's... (laughs) Drew's a little bit interesting. You guys don't need as much player history on him as you might on some of the other players who are not as well-known. Certainly, there are very few athletes in college sports right now, at least in the basketball atmosphere, who are less well-known than Drew Timmy. He is very, very popular. He initially committed to Gonzaga on November 14th, 2018, out of Richardson, Texas. It was a big deal when he committed. Gonzaga obviously has had some success recruiting in Texas in the past. I know Dimitri Goodson was a prominent example. Jeremy Jones less heralded as a recruit because he was a transfer, but also a guy from Texas as well. But Timmy was really popular in high school. He was a top 50 recruit by virtually every single recruiting service. I believe he was 43rd on 24-7 sports, top 40 for ESPN as well. So a really high-profile guy. Everybody kind of thought he was going to be the next in line of great Gonzaga bigs. And he looked like it pretty much right away. His freshman year, he played behind Philip Petrusev and and Killian Tilly. So he was not a starter, but he still had a significant role as a freshman, a bigger role than the Basically, every freshman big man that I can really remember. There haven't been that many. I mean, Zach Collins is a one and done, and he didn't have as big of a role as Drew did as a freshman. They were comparable roles. Timmy, 20 and a half minutes per night, 9.8 points, 5.4 rebounds. He shot 62% from the field. As a true freshman, as the number three big man, 10 and 5 and 62%. That is elite. Those are fantastic numbers for an 18-year-old kid at this level to put up in a reserve role. And as you might remember, everybody, and I mean everybody, every, every, everybody, knew that Drew Timmy was going to break out in year two. Everybody. Dick Vitale was all over it after seeing him dominate as a freshman. Everybody that you can think of was like, this dude is going to be really good next year. Of course, Kelly until he graduated and went to the NBA, Philip Petrusev opted to go play in Serbia. That opened the door very swiftly for Drew to take over and have a significant role. And he did not disappoint <laughs> at all. He was absolutely phenomenal last year. He averaged 19 points, 7 rebounds, 2.3 assists. He shot 65.5% from the field, 67.7% on two-pointers. He converted two-thirds of his attempts inside the three-point line. 
That is incredible. He got off to a blistering start. He scored 25 or more points in four of Gonzaga's first seven games. He had 25 against Kansas in the opener. He had 28 against Auburn, 29 against Virginia, a team known for their elite defense. He just, he looked incredible right off the bat. Everybody was understandably talking about Jalen Suggs, nationally at least. Gonzaga fans were talking about both, certainly. But nationally, the big story was how great Jalen Suggs was to kick off his Gonzaga career. But the reason Gonzaga won those big games, the reason they beat Iowa, the reason they beat Kansas, the reason they beat Virginia was because of Drew Timmy's dominance in the paint. Drew went on to have an outstanding performance in conference play. He played less minutes per game because Gonzaga didn't need him to play as many minutes per game because they were winning so many of their games handily in the second half. But he shot 69%. 69% from the field. That is extraordinary. Again, obviously in conference play, he was playing against a lot of guys who were physically smaller than him, shorter than him, less strong than him. So it was a little bit easier for him to get the shots that he wanted to get. But still. Converting 70% of your field goals against any level of competition is really darn good. And then, and I, I would be remiss if I did not mention what I think is going to go down, hopefully, as one of the most dominant four-game NCAA tournament stretches in school history. We've had a lot of great NCAA tournament performances. And we've had a lot of great performances that unfortunately will go under the radar because people tend to remember when you're the winner. And Gonzaga did not win at all last year. They have yet to win at all. So people frequently remember more when you lose than when you win. And last year, people will remember Jalen Suggs. They will remember the shot against UCLA. And they should. They should remember that forever. It was incredible. But I would be remiss if people didn't remember what Drew Timmy did. He was relatively quiet against Norfolk State in the first game of the tournament, which is fine. Gonzaga did not need him to do anything. But then over the next four games, which were against Oklahoma, Creighton, USC, and of course UCLA, in those four games, Drew Timmy averaged 25 points per game. He averaged seven rebounds, three and a half assists. He shot 66.7% from the field, so very consistently in that mid to high 60s range. And then he shot 77% from the free throw line. Let's just go one by one, shall we? Why not? Let's reminisce about the games that were fun in the NCAA tournament. Drew Timmy scored 30 points on 9 of 12 shooting against Oklahoma. Brady Manek, the big man for the Sooners, kind of talked a little crap before the game and just got eviscerated by Drew. Let me repeat that. 30 points on 12 field goal attempts. That is extraordinary. Drew was just an absolute machine in that game. There was nothing Oklahoma could do to stop him, and Gonzaga rolled to victory. Then they played Creighton. Drew had a little bit quieter game, but he still had 22 points on 10 of 13 shooting against the Blue Jays, which is pretty dang good. Followed that up with 23 points against Evan Mobley and the USC Trojans. This was the big game. This was the game that so many people wanted to see. Obviously, everybody loves when Gonzaga plays the Pac-12 because it kind of, for Gonzaga fans, it at least reinforces that Gonzaga would run train through the Pac-12 if they were in that conference, which clearly they would, and some people refuse to acknowledge that even when given overwhelming amounts of evidence. And in this case, Evan Mobley was the best defensive big man in the country. There was not a debate. It was not Evan Mobley or. It was Evan Mobley. He was the dude. He was the second overall pick, or excuse me, the third overall pick in the NBA draft for a reason. He is an absolute stud. Seven foot six wingspan, good instincts, good shot blocker, just a a dude that should have given Drew a lot of trouble. And this was Drew's quote-unquote worst performance in the NCAA tournament, or at least out of this four-game stretch. But he had 23 points on 10 of 19 shooting, which isn't great, but isn't terrible. He had five boards, four assists. That's a really nice game. 
when you're talking about doing that against a dude who's not just going to be an okay NBA player, he's going to be a good defensive big man in the NBA. At least the Cleveland Cavaliers sure hope so because they drafted him third overall with the intention of him being a rim protector at the next level. For Drew to be able to go out there and drop 23 on him in a big, crucial game just signifies what he's capable of doing, not just at the collegiate level, but at the professional level as well. And then, of course, everybody's going to talk about Jalen Suggs in the UCLA game and him being the reason they win and they won. And it's hard to argue <laughs> if he didn't hit that shot. I don't know if they were going to win that game. But Drew Timmy had 25 points on 11 of 15 shooting. 11 for 15. He missed four shots in that game. A remarkably dominant performance that I fear will go will get not get remembered as well as it should because people will remember Jalen Suggs. They'll remember the shot. They'll remember Johnny Juzang, who had a great game. And they may forget that Drew Timmy had 25 points on 11 for 15 shooting. Unfortunately, what happened after that is a big subject for the rest of this podcast when we talk about best and worst case scenarios for Drew. That is, of course, the Baylor game. He had 12 points on 5 of 7 shooting, but he was a liability on defense. He really struggled to to play defense away from the rim. It got exposed. Scott Drew and their team had a good game plan going in, and they executed it well. They had big, oversized physical guards who were able to handle Gonzaga's defensive pressure from their guards, and more importantly, were able to get switches at the top of the key and exploit Drew Timmy's lack of lateral mobility. We're going to talk about that a lot in the second segment and the third segment, what that means for Drew going forward, how his game needs to adapt for him to hit those best-case scenarios, not just in a Gonzaga uniform, but in a professional uniform as well. Before we get there, though, let's talk about today's sponsor, Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this site, and I know that you will too. Prize Picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football props than anyone in the world and offer all the star players not only from the Power 5 schools, but from your favorite mid-major players as well, I know that that is appealing to Gonzaga fans out there. New users that deposit and use the promo code LOCKEDON will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. PrizePix allows mixed sport entries, so you can take the over on Chet Holmgren combined with the under on Patrick Mahomes in the same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code Locked On, or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. All right. Second segment coming back talking about Drew Timmy. This is the sixth episode in our multi-part series talking about every Gonzaga player on the roster. Check back throughout the month for more player previews leading up to the season opener on Halloween and check back in your feed if you missed our previous episodes. They went out the first week in October discussing every player on Gonzaga's roster. So best case scenario, worst case scenario. I'm going to say this caveat for every one of these episodes. Best case is within reason. Worst case is without injury. Discussing a worst case scenario of a guy getting hurt and missing the year is pointless. It doesn't really offer any insight. We're going to talk about worst case scenarios as if we're talking about them on the court. And best case scenarios, everybody's best case scenario is that they win the national player of the year and that they win the finals MVP, that they make the most money on the NIL circuit, and that they're the first overall pick in the NBA draft. That's everybody's best case scenario, but it is not realistic for most players in the NCAA. So we're not going to talk about best case scenarios as if every single player is going to reach that absolute top peak threshold. However, moving forward in this particular episode with Drew Timmy, 
quite frankly, the best case scenario is that Drew Timmy is the National Player of the Year, that he wins every single award, every one of them, that he sweeps the award circuit, that he is considered unanimously the best player in college basketball. He wins National Player of the Year. He's a consensus All-American. That is the best case scenario for Drew Timmy. And it is not only realistic or at least like a plausible outcome, he's the front runner. This is what people think he's going to do this year. He is in a similar spot to Luca Garza from Iowa last year, who Luca Garza was unanimously considered the front runner before the season started. And even though Drew challenged him and a couple other guys around the league challenged him, Luca Garza still won basically every award last year. That's the situation that Drew Timmy finds himself in right now. And in the best case scenario, there's no debate at the end of the year. He is your national player of the year. He is a consensus All-American first teamer. He is the best player in college basketball, the most talked about guy. When they put up graphics about the 2021-2022 season, his face is on them. He is the dude on the video game covers. That is the best case scenario for Drew Timmy, and it is wildly within reason that that is how this season goes for the big man. How that happens, best case scenario, he remains a dominant scorer in the paint. He's a guy who finishes the season scoring very close to 70% of his two-pointers. You know, Brandon Clark levels of efficiency. Frankly, levels that we've seen him put up before. It's not outside of the realm of possibilities that he converts over 65% of his two-point attempts, pushes 70% on those shots around the rim. That's what he's very good at. Best case scenario, he stays really good at that. That doesn't change. Otherwise, the best case scenario is that he shows range away from the hoop. And this doesn't just mean three-pointers, although that is a big factor, is whether he can extend his range out to the three-point line and beyond. But even so, mid-ranges, he did not display a mid-range last year. Less than 25% of his attempts were in that mid-range area. That is not something that he has displayed as in his back. Now, I believe that it is. I think you look at his touch, you look at his free throw percentages haven't been great, but he improved 8% from his freshman year to his sophomore year. So I think there's some room for him to continue to grow as a free throw shooter, which sometimes points to success as a mid-range shooter. I think he has that potential to be very good in that range. And in the best case scenario, you see him start to hit 10 to 12, 15 footers. You see him extend it all the way to the three-point line. I've talked about this in previous episodes here at Locked On Zags and on my previous show at Score Zag Score, discussing where I think Drew Timmy's outside shooting fits into this offense. And I continue to come to the conclusion that I don't think it's going to be something that Coach Few and the staff want to utilize all that often. There is a precedent. Gonzaga doesn't let their big men, particularly their low post back-to-the-back scoring big men, shoot a lot of threes. It's not something that has been a part of the game plan. DeMontis Sabonis, who's displayed a good good range as an NBA player, he didn't shoot a lot of threes in college. Zach Collins shot more threes than some of the other guys, but he didn't shoot a ton of them. Kelly Olynyk is a great NBA three-point shooter. He did not shoot a ton of threes in college. It hasn't been a part of of what Gonzaga does. And on a team where Drew is such an efficient low post scorer and Chet Holmgren is going to be so good away from the basket, I just don't see a way that Drew Timmy's three-point shooting, I put it this way, coming down the court, looking at the players on the court, any five, pick any five, there's, there's no way that Drew Timmy shooting a three is one of the like eight best offensive results. You know what I mean? Like it's just not going to be a a good shot most of the time. Now, if he improves dramatically and is like a 40% three-point shooter, sure. I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to be better at it. I think he's capable of knocking them down periodically. I just don't see a lot of situations where him shooting a bunch of threes 
is a good outcome for this team. So in a best case scenario, he flashes enough of it to make some NBA scouts change their reports on him. But I don't think it's a best case scenario for the Zags that he's bombing a whole bunch of threes. Beyond that, best case scenario for Drew Timmy, he fits well with Chet. I think this is crucial. It's not a secret that this is crucial. It's not like just my opinion. How Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy play together is the pinnacle of how this team does. Everything resides on that. They're the two best players on this team. They're two of the best players in the NCAA. They need to play well together. In a best-case scenario, no debate about it. No questions whatsoever. Drew's a good passer. He's a good low-post scorer. He can move around a little bit away from the basket. Chet can do all of those things as well. They complement each other perfectly, and they're an absolute nightmare for opposing teams to try to defend them. And then, of course, best-case scenario, massive improvements on the defensive side of the ball, both as a rim protector and on the perimeter. Frankly, this is more for Drew than it is for anything else. Obviously, Gonzaga needs him to be a better defensive player. You can ask anybody who watched the Baylor game to know that that is the case. But for Drew, this is what's holding him back from being a legitimate NBA prospect. Right now, teams don't know if he's going to be able to play defense really in any capacity at the next level. Can't Is he athletic enough? Can he move laterally enough to be a high pick and roll defensive player? Because the NBA is high pick and rolls all of the time. And if you cannot adequately guard that, If you cannot stick with your man or switch onto a guard, you're going to have significant problems. There are good NBA players, good low post scorers who are borderline unplayable because they cannot play that kind of defense. I think about Ennis Cantor, who played for the Portland Trailblazers last year, who couldn't, they just couldn't play him in the playoffs because he is an absolute liability in that kind of defensive set. NBA scouts are going to need to see that Drew can move quicker laterally and can actually stay in front of guys in order for him to get some attention as more than just like a late second round flyer. And then beyond that, he hasn't shown a lot of capability as a rim protector. He's got good footwork. He's got elite footwork offensively. Defensively, his footwork is good, but his body control could use some work. And that's just something that young college big men go through. I think he will get better at it. But in a best case scenario, he shows that already. He shows that he's a rim protector. He doesn't need to be a shot blocker. He just needs to be a rim protector. And again, Gonzaga has one in Chet Holmgren. So I don't think Drew's going to need to be this huge shot blocker in order for Gonzaga's defense to be successful. But if he's not the one protecting the rim, he's the one who's away from the basket. And so in one way or another, he needs to show improvements defensively. And in a best case scenario, he can do both of those things significantly better than he did them last year. And then finally, best case scenario, there's absolutely no doubt that he's an NBA draft pick. He's starting to creep into the first round conversation. I don't think there's much of a reality where he's like a lottery pick just because his style of player is not as in vogue in the NBA as it used to be. But I think there's definitely reality where he's a first round pick. And the best case scenario is that's the conversation we're having about him leading up to the late June draft. What's the worst case scenario for Drew Timmy? It's still pretty darn good. (laughs) It's it's still really good. I I can't imagine a lot of regression offensively. I, I really can't imagine kind of any regression offensively, at least around the basket. He's so good at scoring when he gets positioned down low, when he gets the rock, his ability to make multiple post moves, to be patient, to pump fake, to draw contact, to get to the free throw line. That's not going away. He's good at all of that right now. So even in a worst case scenario, he's still a good low post scorer, but it's the other stuff that doesn't quite show up. There's not an outside shot. Frankly, the worst case scenario is that he doesn't improve his outside shot, but he just takes more of them. He didn't take a lot of threes last year. 
A worst case scenario is he tries to take more threes and the efficiency doesn't crop up. And there's just a lot of offensive possessions that are wasted where Gonzaga, who has a ton of weapons, a ton of dudes who can score, spent a lot of energy and time on the shot clock getting Drew Timmy an open three and he didn't knock it down. That's the worst case scenario. Worst case scenario is his, his scoring ability is still limited to just six feet around the hoop. Not only do we not see that three-point shooter, that three-point shot come around, but we don't see a mid-range game either. And this is, again, Gonzaga can probably survive without Drew Timmy scoring away from the basket, but it significantly hampers his NBA potential. The worst case scenario is that he struggles to share the court with Chet Holmgren. Chet can't play down low because Drew is in the way, so then Chet is forced to only have his offense be away from the basket. And then you just you run into some issues offensively if if Drew is not capable of moving away from the hoop. And then, of course, defense. The defense is the biggest potential worst case for Drew. He straight up, he just hasn't improved on that end. Every team in college basketball saw the blueprint for how to expose Drew Timmy on the defensive side of the ball. Every one of them watched that game. Now, most teams don't have Davion Mitchell and Jared Butler and Macy Oteague on their roster. In fact, none of them do. That was an elite trio of guards, but they might have been able to see, hey, this is something we can run. These are packages or sets that we can attempt that'll get Drew away from the rim, that'll get him in in compromising defensive positions. And they're going to try it. Everybody's going to try it. Texas is going to try it in one of the first games of the year. Duke's going to try it. UCLA is going to try it. They're all going to do it. And in a worst case scenario, Drew hasn't improved enough on that side of the ball that it works, that opposing teams can can utilize that. Now, of course, Gonzaga is also going to have Chet Holmgren. So if Drew is getting exposed in those situations and players are getting around him and getting to the rim, they're still going to have to score on the seven-foot dude with the huge wingspan. So it's not going to be easy. But in a worst-case scenario, that's putting a lot more pressure on Chet defensively. And it's making NBA scouts start to wonder if this dude's going to be able to play at the next level because of that defensive inability. All right. Best and worst-case scenarios for Drew Timmy have been discussed. We're going to come back in the third segment and talk about some more realistic scenarios for the budding superstar ahead of the 21-22 campaign. Before we get there, though, today's episode is sponsored by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever, plain and simple. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, including some all-time favorites like raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, coconut and my personal favorite, Salted Caramel. Of course, Bilt Bar is not only great tasting, they are healthy too. Most Bilt Bar flavors have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, and only 4 grams of sugar. Nine amazing flavors, all tasty and all healthy. Go to BiltBar.com now and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. That is BiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your first order. Right, third segment. We've talked about Drew Timmy's history, how he got to Gonzaga, how he did as a freshman, and of course his dominant performance as a sophomore last year. We talked about his best case scenarios, which are excellent, national player of the year, first round draft pick, all that fun stuff. We talked about his worst case scenarios, how his defensive liabilities could impact this team. Now here in segment number three, we're going to talk about his expected role for this season and the expected production for the third year center. So, most of the time with these player previews, we're talking best and worst case as the polls. The absolute best case, absolute worst case. We're expecting the player to finish somewhere in the middle. And for Drew, I do think that is the case. But honestly, I'm pretty bullish. I'm leaning mostly towards the best case scenario. Do I think Drew Timmy is the national player of the year? Yes, I would pick him. 
right now. Obviously, picking him versus the field is, is a risky bet, but I would take him. I think he's going to do that. I think we're talking about a back-to-back Carl Malone Award winner, WCC Player of the Year easy, National Player of the Year, consensus first-team All-American. I think all that's going to happen. I think Drew Timmy's going to average similar scoring numbers to last year. Last year, he put up 19-7 and seven on 65% shooting. I think that's going to happen again. I think that's the case. And, and obviously, Chet Holmgren being in the mix complicates things because he's another big man who can score under the rim and who can score away from the rim and just needs the ball in his hands a lot. But the Gonzaga lost Joel Iaia. They lost Corey Kispert. They lost Jalen Suggs. Those were three dudes who needed the ball a lot last year, and Drew still put up 19-7. and seven. So there's still plenty of opportunity. Chet Holmgren's a generational talent, a unicorn, the highest-rated recruit in school history, but this offense still goes through Drew Timmy. This offense is still Drew's offense. Chet is the greatest complimentary piece in school history. We can put it that way because this is still Drew's team. And I think that on half-court sets coming down the floor, the primary option every single play is to get Drew Timmy the ball. Swing the ball around, find a way to get him under the basket because he is as automatic as you can get. Chet Holmgren might be the best three-point shooter in school history. Probably not. But if he is, he's still less of an automatic bucket than Drew under the basket. So that's the way that the offense is going to go. I think he's going to put up really efficient shooting. I don't think we're going to see that uptick in outside shooting that a lot of people are talking about. There have been videos of Drew Timmy shooting threes. There have been reports that he's shooting 253s a day, or yeah, a day that he's been working on this tremendously. And I'm sure that Mark Few and the staff are going to have some complimentary things to say about it and press before the season starts. And it's going to get people really, really excited. But for my money, I just don't think it's going to happen. I talked about it in segment two. I'm not going to repeat everything that I said there. But basically, I just don't think it fits into the offense. And Mark Few has shown that if something doesn't fit into the offense, even if it's better for that player's individual development, even if they've been working on it, he's not going to cram it in there just to cram it in there. This team has enough weapons. They have great athletic guards in Hunter Salas, Rasir Bolton, Nolan Hickman. They have a great facilitator in Andrew Nembhard. They have a generational dude in Drew Timmy. They have, or excuse me, in Chet Holmgren. They have Julian Strother, who I talked about in the previous episode and what he's capable of bringing offensively. And I just don't think that any of that is worth sacrificing to get Drew Timmy touches away from the basket. It just doesn't make sense to me. So I just don't think that we're going to see it. But I think that's okay. I don't think that's not a knock on Drew. That's not something that I think is necessarily problematic for him or for Gonzaga. It's just, it's a bummer for him professionally because, like we saw with Philip Petrusev, he left so that he could get more opportunities to play away from the rim and show off his handles and shoot outside shots. And it was a, a smart decision for him. And it worked out for Gonzaga because of what Drew did last year. But it, it, signifies to me that Drew's probably not going to be a big outside shooter this year because it's just not the way that Gonzaga has done things. I do think Drew will be improved as a perimeter defender. I don't think he liked what happened to him against Baylor. I don't think he like that people are talking about that still. I don't think he likes that and a big weakness of his was exposed on a national stage. It's, it's frustrating, and it's a bummer, and it's embarrassing probably. I don't think he should be embarrassed. He had an incredible season, but I, I, I'm sure he doesn't like watching it. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And I think he's going to work really, really hard to fix that area of his game. And I think he can. Obviously, athleticism in general is not the easiest thing to just whip up and fix. But lateral mobility is something he can work on. And I'm sure that he has. And then also just reading plays, making quicker decisions defensively. 
Becoming a better rim protector is about footwork, which is something he's already naturally gifted at. So I think he, we're going to see a player who has improved defensively around the rim and out on the perimeter. And that is great news for Gonzaga. I don't think he's going to be an elite shot blocker. They already have one on the roster. And I don't think he's going to be an elite away from the basket defender either. But I think he's going to be better. And I think he is going to improve in that area. And that is huge. I think it's going to take really good teams to make him look bad around the perimeter. Really good teams. Gonzaga plays some of them. Texas is good. Duke is good. Alabama is good. Like they're UCLA is good. They're going to play some good teams. And they're going to play some dudes who are going to really try to do what Baylor did. And they're going to try to make him come out away from the basket and play defense. And they're going to try to expose him that way. And I don't think it's going to happen as much as some people might think it is. I think he's going to be improved enough in that area that he's going to be adequate. He's going to do enough. And especially with Chet behind him, protecting protecting the rim, I think that Gonzaga is going to be an improved defensive team. I think they're going to be very good. And I think Drew Timmy is going to change the scouting report. I think he's going to make some scouts say, hey, you know what? Like this guy might not be a non-factor defensively at the next level. He might be, you know, he's somebody who, who could work his way into adequate or is already there. You know, he's the kind of guy who who we can see he identified an area in his game that needed work and he went out and he fixed it. And that makes us more enticed by him. I think Drew Timmy is going to be the most popular player in college hoops. <laughs> I don't think that that is much of a debate. He's going to be very, very recognized. He's going to be on a lot of pictures, a lot of billboards, a lot of social media posts are going to be dedicated to Drew Timmy. And I think he's playing his final year in the Gonzaga uniform. I think he goes professional next year. I think he gets drafted in the second round. Uh, I don't know exactly where. It kind of depends on how that defensive stuff and that three-point shooting looks. I think it also depends on how Luca Garza does in the NBA because they're going to be lumped together. They're going to be compared. And Garza has impressed with his athleticism so far and I think could end up carving out a nice role in the NBA right away. And if he does, I think that might make people a little bit more interested in Drew Timmy. So I'm excited to see what that brings for him. The Drew Timmy-Chet Holmgren pairing is going to be one of the most fun things in all of college basketball next year, all of sports, all of Gonzaga history. It's going to be such an absolute blast to watch. I cannot wait for them to get started, and I'm pumped to see what Drew does in year three. All right, six player previews. Done. Dusted. Tomorrow's episode. We're sticking with big men. We're talking about a significantly younger big man. We're going to talk about one of the most intriguing newbies on this roster. Super hyper-athletic big man. And often compared to Brandon Clark, that is, of course, Caden Perry, right here on the Locked On, po- Locked on Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts and soon to be available on YouTube. Just another reminder, podcast links will also be available on Twitter at Locked On Zags and on my own Twitter account, which can be found at ScoreZagsScore. And finally, now is a great time to make your next listen, the Locked On NBA podcast. You can get all your daily NBA updates from a variety of league experts while checking in on your favorite Zags playing at the next level. All right. Thank you for listening and go Zags.